Welcome to Community Christian Anywhere. We are an online community of people who believe that even though life can be difficult, complicated, and tiring, Jesus offers a life that is easy, light, and full of rest. And the life Jesus offers isn't simply a membership to a religion or personal philosophy of life, but He offers to transform us into people who live and love just as He did in this world. So we want to be a community who are committed to loving everyone just as Jesus loved us. So no matter who you are or what you believe about God or even what you've done, we want you to be a part of this Jesus movement to love everyone always. And what we hope is that throughout our time together, you experience that God loves you and He cares about your life. In fact, we say this all the time. No matter what you think about God, we believe He can't stop thinking about you. We believe that He is for you and He only has good things for your life. So no matter where you're watching this from, on your phone or on your lunch break, hopefully not while you're driving, we believe that God is present with you right now. And if you can stay open to that, I believe He wants to make Himself real to you. And if at any point during this video, you have questions or maybe you feel God is speaking to you and you wanna talk to somebody about that, there will be a number on the screen the whole time. And you can text that number at any point. Someone from our team will respond to you just as soon as we can. Because even though right now, this is just a video that you're watching, we hope that your interaction with us moves from just being content that you consume to a community that you are committed to. One easy way to get more involved with our community is by going on our website, cccanywhere.com. There are a lot of resources there, including some materials specifically designed for your children. And the best way that you can get involved with our community is by clicking on the card on that website that says, join our Facebook group. You'll be taken straight to our Community Christian Anywhere group on Facebook, where you can connect with each of us during the week. All you have to do is click on the Join Group button, and you'll take one quick and easy step into community this week. Right now, we are going to get right into our main idea for the day. Today, we are continuing to hear from other voices around the country about some of the biggest questions of life and faith. Today, we are answering possibly the biggest question of life. What comes next? What happens after we die? Is there an afterlife? Did you know that one out of every 25 people in America has had a near-death experience? Their heart stopped beating. Their brainwaves ceased. Yet they claim they were more alive than ever and that the world that they were experiencing was more real than this one. So is there any truth to these near-death experiences? Well, to answer that question, we are going to listen in on a sermon from an author and pastor named John Berg, who researched over a thousand cases of near-death experiences. And he came to the conclusion that the vast majority of these near-death survivors had incredibly similar experiences and that their descriptions of the afterlife lined up closely with the descriptions of the afterlife as described by Jesus and the writers of the Bible. John documented his conclusions in his nationally best-selling book, Imagine Heaven 
which includes stories and interviews with survivors, as well as solid theology from the Bible. And today you are going to get a brief glimpse of John's research and the promise of life after death that Jesus has been offering for 2000 years. So let's listen together. You know, I, I interviewed uh, or researched over a thousand people, very credible people. You're going to hear from today a doctor, a, a commercial airline pilot, a, a, a pastor, um, bank presidents, you know, college professors, people who have nothing to gain making up crazy wild stories. It actually hurts their career. And yet they say it happened and it was more real than anything they experienced here. Listen to Dr. Mary Neal's story. Dr. Mary Neal is an orthopedic surgeon who shares her medical practice and her love for outdoor adventure with her husband, Bill. In 1999, they planned an adventure that took Mary on a spiritual journey few have taken and returned to talk about. My husband and I really enjoy kayaking. We enjoy traveling. We speak Spanish. We've traveled internationally a number of times. And so for my husband's birthday, I said, okay, this is the year we're, we're gonna do it. So we went to Chile for a vacation to kayak. After a week of kayaking, Bill sat out the final day with a sore back. Mary and the rest of their group kayaked through a treacherous stretch of the river. These are drops of 10 to 15 feet, 20 feet maybe, which for an experienced kayaker is not a crazy thing. I went over the main drop and as I crested over the drop, I could see the tremendous turbulence and tremendous volume. And as I hit the bottom of the drop, the front end of my boat became pinned. I and my boat were immediately and completely submerged. I was absolutely pressed to the front deck of the boat. And I couldn't move my arms even back far enough to reach my spray skirt, let alone push myself out. I very sincerely asked that God's will be done, and I meant it. After several minutes of searching, the group leaders realized Mary was trapped under the falls. They came out on the rocks and they kept trying to get to the boat, but the force and the volume of the water was such that they just kept being flushed through. I mean, they just couldn't get to me. At one point, they sort of recognized that it was really turning into body recovery. Uh, not so much of a rescue. I know I've been underwater too long to be alive, yet I feel more alive than I've ever felt. And this is more real than anything I've ever experienced. And Mary was actually dead for 30 minutes, according to her friends. And yet she said she felt more alive than she's ever felt. She said she rose up out of the water. She was watching the resuscitation while she was greeted uh, by, by a group of people. And when this happens, when people die, they commonly say this, that they leave their body, but they're still in the vicinity. Uh, they're out of their body, but they have a spiritual body. And, and not with five senses, more like with 50 senses. What we find is that this life is the reduced reality that we were created for. And they talk about how they're able to describe the resuscitation many times. And that's what actually convinced so many skeptical doctors uh, that I've put here in this book. Like I interviewed a cardiologist, Dr. Michael Sabum, who told me that 
Uh, he didn't think there was such a thing as near-death experiences when he first heard about it. And he actually set out on what turned out to be a five-year study to disprove them. But he changed his mind. He said, I didn't believe there was such a thing about a near-death experience until I started asking some of my patients. Pete told me he had left his body during his first cardiac arrest and had watched me resuscitate him. When I asked him to tell me exactly what he saw, he described the resuscitation with such detail and accuracy, I could have later used the tape to teach physicians, Sabum told me. These people, like Pete Morton, saw details of the resuscitation they could not otherwise have seen. One patient noticed the physician who failed to wear scuffs over his white patent leather shoes during open heart surgery. In many cases, I was able to confirm the patient's testimony with medical records. Sabum changed his mind, and he ends up writing an article in the Journal of the American Medical Association showing what changed his mind, that there actually is life after death. Dr. Uh, Jeff Long is a radiation oncologist who read uh, Sabum's findings in the Journal of the American Medical Association, said that's bogus. But then he started doing his own independent research, asking people as well. And Dr. Long, by the way, is going to be a part of our citywide conversation. Um, he, like myself, has become a believer uh, as a result of all this. But here's what Dr. Long said after studying thousands himself. He said, by studying thousands of detailed accounts. Is that up there? Can you put that up there? There you go. By studying thousands of detailed accounts of indie ears or near-death experiencers, I found the evidence that led to this astounding conclusion. NDEs provide such powerful scientific evidence, it's reasonable to accept the existence of an afterlife. And like I said, this is all over the globe. So in The Lancet, Europe's most prestigious journal, uh, it was reported a, a medical journal. It was reported that a guy came into the ER in Holland. He was, his heart had stopped beating. He was comatose. Uh, they were going to intubate him, but they had to take dentures out of his mouth. The nurse put him in the lower drawer of a crash cart. They shocked him. They got his heart beating, but he never came to in the ER. They move him out of the ER into another room. A week later, he comes to and he sees the nurse and he says, hey, that's the nurse who knows where my lost dentures are. And then he describes how he was up above his body. He describes everybody who was working on him in the ER and told him, you can find my dentures in the lower drawer of that cart with all the bottles on it. And they did. Story after story after story like this have convinced so many skeptical doctors, this is scientifically verifiable. There is an afterlife. And it actually lines up with what God's been telling us all along. In fact, the Apostle Paul, who wrote a good chunk of the New Testament, I believe had one of these near-death experiences. In Acts chapter 14, um, it says that, that it seems like Paul had one of these when he got stoned in Lystra. Stoned to death. Not, not <laughs> stoned like in Austin. Stoned. So I always have to clarify that here. Look at what it says in Acts chapter 14. They stoned Paul, dragged him out of town, thinking he was dead. But the believers gathered around him, and then he got up and went back into the town. Personally, I wouldn't go back into the town when they just stoned me to death. But Paul did. But then later, Paul says, writes this, and I think about this experience. In 2 Corinthians 12, he says, talking to himself, I was caught up to the third heaven 14 years ago. Whether I was in my body or out of my body, I don't know. Why didn't he know? Well, because we still have a body. We're still ourselves. 
He says, only God knows, but I know I was caught up to paradise and heard things so astounding cannot be expressed in words, things no human is allowed to tell. Paul goes on and talks in 1 Corinthians 15 about how our bodies, he says, are buried in brokenness, but they'll be raised in glory. They're buried in weakness, they're raised in strength and power. They're buried natural human bodies, but they're raised spiritual bodies. And this is exactly what people say all over the globe. You're still yourself. In fact, you're more yourself. You've never been so much yourself. But with a body that has new abilities, eyesight that can see telescopically, communication that's pure and perfect, movement like you've never experienced, can be slow, can be in an instant. See, this life is just a shadow of the life we were created for. And they talk about how the beauty of earth is, is not unlike the beauty of heaven, but the beauty of heaven is experienced in new dimensions of time and space. So that's another commonality is people all around the globe experience this beauty in new dimensions. So many of these people, after they observe their body, like Dr. Neal said, then they, they take off. And some talk about going through a tunnel, some down a pathway, but they end up in a place often of exquisite beauty. It's like what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2, 9. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. And the beauty of heaven is, is not unlike that of earth. In fact, John, uh, in the book of Revelation, he's writing about a vision of heaven that he gets. And listen to all the beauty that he sees that's common to earth. He says in Revelation, after this I looked and people from every nation, tribe, people, and language were there in heaven, wearing white robes, holding palm branches in their hands. Huh, palm trees in heaven. Cool, I like palm trees. Says he will lead them to springs of life-giving water. He took me in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city. Springs, water, cities, mountains. The angel showed me the river uh, with, with the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God. It flowed down the center of the main street. There's cities, there's streets. Along each side of the street grew the tree of life, bearing crops of 12 crops of fruit. They're trees, fruit, flowers. It's life, but so much more. Now, Don Piper uh, was run over on a bridge in Houston by an 18-wheeler, smashed his car flat, EMS got there, pronounced him dead. They had to wait for the jaws of life to cut his body out. 90 minutes later, he revives to talk about the beauty he saw. Listen to how Don Piper and Dr. Mary Neal described the beauty of heaven. So take us back to that day. You saw the 18-wheeler come. What was the next memory you had? Well, I took my last breath on the bridge and I was, uh, my next breath was at one of the 12 gates of heaven. I'm looking through the gates. I'm looking down the street. There is a river that flows from this, this throne or this hill that's high and lifted up. And I know that's the river of life because we're told that it flows from the throne of God. So uh, many of the things that we know and enjoy and love here uh, are visible there as well. Um, I would say this, and... and um, Heaven's never going to be less than this. It's always going to be more. Yeah. In heaven, it's all big. I mean, it, it so far transcends any words that we can happen, that we could come up with here. If you want to talk about 
uh, uh, meadows and flowers and beauty and if you want to talk about Did trees. Did you see that? Oh yes, they're just magnificent except that they are so brilliant and so vivid as to really defy description. So you live in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, one of the most beautiful places on earth. How did that compare to the, this beautiful path leading to heaven? One of the problems that I and most people had when they came back from a near-death experience is that even the most intense beauty here on earth, even the most intense love here on earth is very, very pale in comparison to the intensity of the love and to the intensity of the beauty in God's world. Everything was far more intense. The colors were beyond anything we could ever experience here. We cannot imagine the beauty and goodness that God has in store for us, but we catch glimpses of it in this life. Every sunset, every joy-filled laugh, Every kind word from someone we love is just a glimpse of the goodness and beauty God has in store for us. I'm not sure what you believe about all of this, but I want to encourage you to reach out to our team by texting the number that you see on the screen right now. We would love to talk to you about whatever questions you might have and anything you feel God is speaking to you about right now. I hope you'll text us, but right now, we want to take a moment to just praise God for who He is and all He has in store for us. One of the most famous passages of Scripture is Psalms 23. And at the end of this famous poem, the writer speaks of God's goodness in this way. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the hope we have in Jesus, the goodness of God, his faithful love never stops chasing us. No matter what we've done or where we try to run, He is running even harder after us. And He promises that if we choose to follow Him, we will not just find rest in this life, but we will rest forever with Him in a future home that He's creating for us. And we can know that this is true because God has always been faithful to us. His goodness never stops running after us. I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in your hands From the moment that I wake up Until I lay my head Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God All my life you have been faithful All my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God I love your voice 
You have led me through the fire in darkest nights. You are close like no other. I've known you as a father. I've known you as a friend. I have lived in the goodness of God. I've been faithful All my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able I will sing of the goodness of God Your goodness is running out running after me your goodness is running after it's running after me with my life laid down I'm surrendered now I give you everything your goodness is running after it's running after me your goodness is running after it's running after me your goodness is running after it's running after me with my life laid down i'm surrendered now i give you everything your goodness is running after it's running after me life but it's so much more and and we're not going to experience it alone because heaven was meant for relationship you know if there's one commonality that people come back from these experiences saying it's that God is love and love is what it's all about we were meant to love one another not just during this life but forever you know Jesus said that to his friends the, the, his last night on earth in John 14, he said, there's more than enough room in my father's home. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And when everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And he said, 
It's going to be eating and drinking and work and play. It's, it's life. Marv Besteman, who's a bank president, um, died and was resuscitated in a hospital. He recalls how a welcoming party uh, came to meet him, consisting of friends and relatives. He said, both of my friends were prayer warriors. We'd spent many hours praying together. I'm not sure if that's why God chose these guys for me to see. They were significant to me in my spiritual life. Everyone I saw had been influential in shaping my life in some way. And this is another commonality that people, uh, they, they experience a kind of a welcoming party of friends and relatives. One woman who died giving childbirth said, I recognized my grandmother and a girl I had known when I was in school and many relatives and friends. It was a very happy occasion. I felt they had come to protect or to guide me. It was like they were welcoming me home. Now, word of warning here, because Dr. Neal also says that they were there, this welcoming committee, to protect. And I think that's important because I started to hear this in my research more and more. And it's important to realize that people in these experiences are just getting a peek into a vast world. And we shouldn't, we shouldn't come up with our idea of what happens in the afterlife just from these alone because they're only seeing just a little peek. They're not seeing the whole thing. It's kind of like Mount Rushmore. You know, everybody's used to seeing this side of Mount Rushmore, but there's another side of Mount Rushmore. <laughs> Not so pretty, is it? But one of the commonalities that I discovered uh, of these people is that there was a border or a boundary that they said they knew they couldn't cross and still come back to this life. And I discovered that's an interpretive key. Because just because an experience starts well doesn't mean that's where it ends up. And there is a border or boundary between what is truly eternal life. So this is somewhere in between. I think that's why people still have a choice to make even in this in-between, as we'll see. But what that means is we shouldn't, we shouldn't come up with our view of eternity and the afterlife based on these experiences. In fact, I'm skeptical of any one of these experiences. It's the commonalities of thousands that point to what the scriptures have been telling us. And that's what we can trust in for our bigger view of what's to come. Like Jesus told us about this welcoming committee, in Luke 16, 9, he said, use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then when your earthly possessions are gone, they will welcome you to an eternal home. Listen to how Dr. Neal talks about that welcoming committee and as she looks into the city of God, the, the life that's happening, the relationship. Watch. You're greeted by this welcoming, welcoming. committee? Yes. What was it? That's what some it people was a talk committee. about. I absolutely knew that they were there to welcome me and greet me and make me feel loved and comfortable. And I also knew that they were there to protect me. What's your sense of what relationship is like? Well, that's really clear because there is no doubt that the only thing that truly matters is loving God and being a window through which God's light can shine to this world and loving each other. I absolutely think that people who are important in our life, and I'm not really sure what the right word is, but our life circle, and it may be relatives or it may be people that come into our lives for a very brief period of time and have a profound impact, those may also be part of our, our 
life's neighborhood. Yeah. I was able to see many, again, people, angels, spirits, I'm not sure, very busy. And I don't know what they were doing. Inside the Inside, they were all very busy. I don't know what they were doing, but they were doing something and clearly doing God's work. And so was it like a city bustling with light? Yes, Life or? it was bustling is a great word for it. When I arrived, there was this momentary acknowledgement and not cheering, but almost like fantastic, welcome. And this, this outpouring of love for me. And again, it was this profound sense of wow, not only do I not deserve this, but it was this profound sense of uh, understanding that that is how each person is created. Mm. I mean, there are billions of us, but that is how much God loves each person. Yes. And that is another commonality, that people experience this God of love, this God who is light, this God who is love, this God who is personal, who knows them. See, it's not too late for any of us. God is a God of the second chance. That's why he sent Jesus. He's a God of forgiveness. He's paid for all our wrongs. And no one loves you more. But don't reject his love. Because if you don't want God, he'll give you what you want. In fact, Howard Storm was a tenured college professor and an atheist. His duodenum ruptured when he was doing uh, tours uh, in, of art museums in Paris. After nine hours of not being able to get a surgeon, he dies. And he thought death was just lights out. There was nothing. So he was confused. He didn't even realize at first that he was dead because he's standing there in the room and he feels more alive than he's ever felt before. And there's this nice group of people welcoming him saying, Howard, come with us. We're going to help you. Now, if everything had stopped right there, Howard, this atheist, would have said, hey, it's all good, right? But it didn't stop right there. These nice people end up leading him into this outer darkness, which Jesus also warns us about, and turn on him, and it's like the worst prison scene imaginable. And by the way, 23% of near-death experiencers talk about having a hellish experience. So we can't discount that. Now, because Howard had not crossed that border or a boundary into eternity yet, I think that's why he was able to cry out to God. And Howard, in this horrible predicament, remembers a song when someone took him to Sunday school as a kid, Jesus loves me, this I know. And suddenly he wanted that to be true with all his heart. And he cries out, Jesus, save me. And this tenured college atheist professor says that into this outer darkness comes a light brighter than the sun. Arms reach out, pick him up, hold him like a baby, take him out of there. And then in the presence of angels, Jesus gives Howard a life review. Listen to how Howard and Mary describe their life review. Howard, tell us about this life review that you had. There was a number of angels, I call them angels, who had been recording my entire life, all my life, and Jesus wanted them to play out in chronological order the scenes of my life. And the entire emphasis was on my interaction with other people, of course, initially starting out with my mother and father and my sisters and then, you know, school and friends and 
Um, so you just you saw it, or you we saw it, experienced we felt it? it, we experienced it. It was really interesting because it was um, the whole emphasis was on people and not on things. Matter of fact, there were some instances where um, I had uh, won promotions, honors, awards, and they skipped them. And Jesus, I said to Jesus, uh, "You're skipping the most important thing in my life. This is what I live for to get this award, Kentucky Artist of the Year." big banquet in my honor and a big cash prize and everything. And uh, he said, that's not what we're here for you to see. That's not important. What I want you to see is how you treated the students. So what I learned in my life review was that um, the um, relationship with my father, I had participated in the breakdown of that relationship as much as he did. He was not a good father to me, and I resented it, and I was angry at him, so I did everything I could subconsciously and sometimes consciously to be as rebellious and as cold-hearted towards him as possible, which only aggravated him more and made him more of a hostile father. So the things that I had seen in my life that where I was the victim and everybody else was the bad guy, I came to find out. Um, it was a two-way street. We were both the plainest games. As my life progressed from my adolescence into my adulthood, I saw myself turning completely away from God, church, all that, and becoming um, a person who decided that life was all about um, the biggest, baddest bear in the woods wins. And now I began to experience Jesus and the angels' literal pain. What do you mean? Emotional pain with watching scenes in my life. And like, here's the nicest, kindest, most loving being I've ever met, who I realize is my Lord, my Savior, even my Creator, holding me and supporting me, trying to um, give me more understanding of my life. And it was figuratively, not literally, like I was like stabbing him in the heart as we're watching this stuff. And the last thing I wanted to do was to hurt him. And I don't want to hurt him to this day. Uh, Jesus is a very feeling man. God is a very feeling creator. What were you seeing played out? I saw scenes where um, my sister was in bed crying, and I got up in the middle of the night and went in and put my arms around her and hugged her. And Jesus and the angels were so filled with joy that I had been willing to do that, to try and um, you know, help her a little Comfort bit in her. her grief. But those were rare, the, uh, the scenes of my indifference. Just seeing, seeing people as objects in order to maneuver around through or you know, to shift to further my, my goals and my ambitions. We did go through a life review and it was nothing like I would have imagined. What, what my, was the life review like? My life was laid bare for all its good and bad. And one of the things we did was look at many, many, many events throughout my life that I would have otherwise called terrible or horrible or sad or bad or tragic. And instead of looking at an event in isolation or looking at how it impacted me and my little world, I had the most remarkable experience of seeing the ripple effects of the event when seeing 25, 30, 35 times removed. And imagine that day. God wants to show you how every little act of kindness rippled through humanity. Truly, what he wants us to do most is love the people around us.
And think about this, you know, what could convince an atheist tenured college professor to come back from this experience? And two years later, he left his tenured profession to become a Christian pastor. His wife, who was still an atheist, divorced him because of it. What could, what could cause that? Jesus. Jesus is the highlight of heaven. He's the most beautiful, kind, loving, wonderful, best friend you've ever imagined. Father figure, mother, lover, you name it. What we long for is to be in God's presence. The only thing that matters in this life is how we love. And at the end of our lives, this will be made clear to us by the God who is love. But we don't have to wait until then to get this right. We can begin today to love everyone always, just as Jesus has loved us. And we can truly make the most of the time that we have on this planet. So we want to take a moment out of our time together right now to reflect on how we're doing at loving like Jesus has loved us. Where are we getting this right? Where are we doing well at following Jesus' example? How can we do better? So I want to lead us through a time of prayer and reflection to do that. But if during this time you feel God speaking to you and maybe today has raised some questions for you and you want to talk to someone, please text that number on the screen. Someone from our team will respond and would love to help you figure out what God has in store for you. And as you do that, let's quiet our minds and let us pray. As we pray, read the words in bold out loud with me. Let's begin. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Invite your heavenly Father to show you the ways in which you have failed to love as He has loved you. Are there relationships that are struggling because of your lack of love? Though it may be hard to hear, listen openly because there is no shame for those who are in Christ. Hear what your loving Heavenly Father has to say to you. Let's continue to pray. This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Jesus has commanded us to love everyone just as He has loved us. Ask your Heavenly Father to show you what you can do better to follow Jesus' example of love. Ask Him to remind you of His love for you so that your love better reflects His.
Let's finish praying. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and His love is made complete in us. For it is in the name of Jesus that we live and we pray. Amen. You know, Captain Dale Black is a commercial airline pilot, uh, flew 17,000 hours all around the globe. At one point, he had a, a plane crash. No one survived. But he came back to talk about his experience of seeing Jesus face to face. And you know, he's, he's got a PhD in aeronautical engineering, yet I've never talked to him once about this experience with him being able to hold it together. Because another commonality is that these experiences are more real than any memory you've ever had, and the memory doesn't fade. But listen to what he talks about of being in the presence of God. Did you, did you see Jesus? Later, I did. That was the last thing that happened after going through the city and asking questions and going through at the very last moment, I had been ushered closer and closer toward the light, toward the light, toward the light. The light that's in the center, center of the city. Yeah, and then there was a stairway that was near the glass sea, which it looked like a sea, and a stairway that went up, and a large angel with the most... Uh, power, if we would say that. And it was clear that he was basically in charge of that stairway. And uh, I be just began to communicate uh, to this angel heart to heart. Again, it's hard to say, did we talk? It seemed like it, but then it seemed like we didn't. This communication was, was just impeccably pure. And I began to recognize, I can't go up there. I can't go up. I can't go up and still go back. And I was thinking, go back? Go back? What, what, what do we mean? What's that mean? And as soon as I'm thinking, go back, the angel moved just to the side. But I looked into the eyes of the warmest, kindness, most wonderful. I knew this was the Son of God. I knew this was my Savior. And all of a sudden, my knees buckled, my legs lost their strength, and I just went down. I couldn't stand. Mm -hmm. I, was, I was not worthy to... I was not worthy to stand in His presence. Funny that I didn't feel worthy to be in heaven, yet I knew I was worthy in the early part. I was somehow given this, granted this authority, but I had this supernatural... Uh, gift that I was worthy. Somebody had done something for me. He had. Yes. And so I'm down on my, just falling down, and I see his feet, and I grab them, and I hold his feet, and I see the scars, and I know this is the Son of God. He's my Savior. He's my Lord. It is because of him he died for everybody. It's so cool because the Bible even says, no, I take that back. Jesus said that uh, I have come not to condemn the world, but that the world through me will be saved. And it was because of that. He was, he's not condemning anybody. It doesn't matter what you've done in your life 
what sins you've done, including murder. It doesn't matter what you've done. All of it is, is forgivable. God can forgive anybody of anything. And then we have this free gift that we call salvation. You and I know about it. And that's it. what you felt and at that's his of feet. Course. Like. I just, but to describe this experience, I just stopped at his feet and, and I was worshiping him in, down on the ground there. And I f- heard the voice, Dale, do you love me? <laughs> that's it. Do you love me? And I'm trying to think of all these words to say. And I'm getting ready to say, in a sense, I'm getting ready to say, but I've said nothing. And I'm getting ready to say, of course I love you, Lord. I remember who you are, what you do. I'm getting ready to say that. And he bends down and whispers into my ear. And I'm now back. The love of Jesus is so great and so beautiful that it's overwhelming. Over and over again, survivors of near-death experiences describe falling to their knees in worship and amazement when they come face to face with Jesus. And the Bible describes the same experience from Jesus's closest followers when they encountered his resurrected body. The fullness of Christ's love is more powerful than we can physically stand or can imagine in our minds. And one day, all of us will stand before the love of Jesus, but we won't be able to stand long. We will be too overwhelmed by Him. My hope is that today, in some small way, you have been overwhelmed by the love Jesus has for you. And maybe you want to talk to somebody about that. I want to encourage you again to text the number on the screen because we would love to talk with you about whatever you're experiencing right now. And as you do that, we're going to move into a time in our service where we remember the love Jesus has shown through His death and His resurrection. We call this time in the service communion, and it's a meal where we use the emblems of bread and juice to remember the body and blood Jesus has given for us. So if you want to receive communion today, you can use whatever elements you have on hand, maybe a cracker and some juice, or even a piece of bread and a cup of water. The symbols that we choose aren't as important as who we're remembering, because it was Jesus who asked us to remember Him like this. And He told His followers that this meal was just a taste, a glimpse of the feast He was preparing for us to share in eternity with Him. And if you're not sure that you buy into all of this, I hope that you'll use this time to reflect on all that you've heard so far today. Is it true that there's a God who loves you and that He's prepared an amazing life for you after this life is over? Maybe offer a prayer to God, asking Him if He is real to make Himself real to you. I believe He wants to do that. But for followers of Jesus, as you receive the elements of communion, Rejoice in the eternal life that the body and blood of Jesus have purchased for you. And look forward to the feast that Jesus has prepared for you with Him one day. And how we will spend billions of years with our God, singing of His great love, and still 
None of our praises can compare with the beauty and goodness of His love for us. Your love so great, Jesus in all things. I've seen a glimpse of your heart a billion years. Still I'll be singing. How can I praise you enough? How can I praise you enough? You are the Lord Almighty, outshining all the stars in glory. Your love is like the wildest ocean. Oh, nothing else compares. Creation calls all to the Savior. We are alive for your praise in earth and sky. No one is higher. Our God of wonders you reign. Our God of wonders you reign. You are the Lord Almighty. Outshining all the stars in glory. Your love is like the wildest ocean. Oh, nothing else compares. You are the Lord Almighty. Outshining all the stars in glory. Your love is like the wildest ocean. Nothing else compares Not to us, but to your name We lift up all praise Not to us but to your name we lift up all praise not to us but to your name we lift up all praise not to us but to your name we lift up all praise you are the lord Outshining all the stars in glory Your love is like the wildest ocean Oh, nothing else compares You are the Lord Almighty Outshining all the stars in glory Your love is like the wildest ocean to us, but to your name, 
to us, but to your name we lift up all praise. Not to us, but to your name we lift up all praise. Not to us, but to your name we lift up all praise. You are the Lord Almighty. I'll shine the stars in glory. Your love is like the wildest ocean. Oh, nothing else compares. You are the Lord Almighty, outshining all the stars in glory. Your love is like the wildest ocean. Nothing else compares. I hope today's experience was meaningful for you and that what you take away most of all is that God is for you and that we are too. And if anything today raised questions for you or maybe you felt like God was speaking to you and you want to talk to somebody about that, please text that number on the screen right now and someone for our team will get in touch with you. And as always, we want your experience with us to be more than just content you consume, but a community that you can be committed to. So please take a moment right now to go on our website, cccanywhere.com. There are ways to get involved in virtual small group to discuss what you're learning here and even resources for your children. But the best way to get involved with our community is by clicking on the card on that website that says join our Facebook group. That link will take you straight over to Community Christian Anywhere group where you can click on the join group button and you'll take one easy step towards getting more involved with our community here. I hope to see you there. And as you leave today, please carry this thought with you. No matter what you think about God, He can't stop thinking about you.